We're discussing telecom, product development, and 5G with Nikki Palmer, the Chief Product Development Officer at Verizon. The assets we have are amazing. So to be able to sit in this role and say, wow, I've got you know, the, the best wireless network in the world. I've got, you know, a capital budget of, you know, 18 or so billion dollars a year that continues with that network investment to ensure that it's the best. I've got fiber infrastructure that, that supplies it all and a wonderful, a loyal customer base. So, you know, you're, you're looking at, at these assets and, um, you know, in some ways it's like a kid in a candy shop. And now our job is how do you connect them in different and unique ways um, with the advent of new services and new technologies that just continue to come upon us um, to serve customers? So, and honestly, it just starts with um, it starts with our people. And I will tell you that we truly have the best engineers and technologists in the business. And you know, our credo at Verizon, um, you know, says that. You know, bigness is not our strength. Being big isn't, but being best is, and best starts with people. And I'll I'll go back just to the pandemic for a minute, and um, you know, it's affected us all, um, certainly. And uh, it's hard to talk about it in uh, in in positive terms sometimes without acknowledging, um, you know, the people that have fallen ill and been victim to COVID nineteen, and all the people that have lost their jobs and the, the dramatic impact it's had on society. During the pandemic, you know, our first responsibility was to our employees, their safety and their health. And, you know, doing that and ensuring that, you know, that we had a way of, of quick, open and honest communication um, and, and just amazing programs to stay connected. Um, that became, you know, really number one priority. And I'll tell you, um, I'm just, I've never been prouder. I've been in the business and been with the, this company for uh, 31 years now. And I've never been uh, more proud than uh, during this pandemic to see how um, our leadership, our CEO Hans and our chief human resources uh, officer, Christy Pambianchi, just like just rose to the challenge. We had daily meetings uh, at noon every day to ensure rapid communication. I could go on and on, but here's what I'll tell you. Forbes recognize Verizon as the number one pandemic response company in their list of top 100 companies. And I think that speaks volumes. So when I go to, you know, how do you manage all this? It comes back to people and respecting people, ensuring their safety, communicating, you know, openly and honestly with them in times of uh, dramatic uncertainty and certain, certainly unprecedented times is sort of job one. How do you spend your time? Where where is the bulk of your time spent? I actually am pretty diligent about keeping track of my time. I learned early in my career that it's like the only thing that you can really control uh, is, is how you spend your time. You've only got 24 hours in a day and there's always things to balance uh, between um, among home um, and all the things that we love to do and work. But in my work life, uh, I will tell you, I spend an uh, people are sometimes surprised, but I spend an inordinate amount of my time um, with the organization, with Frontline. Um, during this pandemic, it became quickly apparent that um, connecting with people, not just my direct reports, 
not just Hans and the senior team or my peers, but the frontline employees. And for me, that's our engineers, that's our technologists, our coders, and, and understanding what they're dealing with and how we can best support them became paramount. So one of the things that I did is um, we instituted what we call walk and talks, which is a way, number one, to get out of the house and get the blood flowing with a little, a little uh, daytime walk. But I, I dedicate um, an hour a day, and I usually do this three to four days a week. I try for five, but three to four is what usually happens, to do two walk and talks. So a half an hour and a half an hour. It's only open to frontline employees. And that is one way that, and, and it's, there's no agenda, it's, we could talk about the weather we could, and, and it's been amazing because some people will come in, they'll pitch me an idea for a new product. Others will come in with a list of 20 questions they want to know. Others want career advice, but it's just a great way to get the pulse of the organization. Not the only way, but it's been great. That's just, that's just one way I spend my time. So, but, but that's an example of, uh, of what I think about, you know, leadership and how, you know, that's, that's a key piece that is often underrepresented, I think. I also spend a lot of my time with, um, with suppliers because having uh, close relationships and understandings with our key partners, we do none of this alone. Um, we have the best network in the world, but that is also because we have great relationships with our suppliers, whether it's the large suppliers like a Nokia or an Ericsson or on the device side, an Apple or a Samsung or others um, on the core network or on the product side where we have, you know, many smaller providers that play a key role. I spend a lot of time with them because, you know, being in sync is a key part of, of being agile in delivering products. So it's a matter of employees, you know, external um, with suppliers, I, I spend a good amount of time advocating for Verizon and, and talking externally. And I, you know, I'm always happy to do that because it's such an easy story to tell. Um, and of course, I spend my fair share of time in, um, you know, product reviews and ensuring that the team is executing on schedule and on budget with the quality that, that is required by our demanding customers. So it's a, it's a bit of a mix. We have an interesting question that's come in from Twitter from Andrew Morosky, who is a telecom industry leader. He was the president of Vodafone in the US and now he's with Oracle. And he says, he asks, as a tech leader owning such massive responsibility, how do you balance organizational priorities between legacy products and new products and innovation? It is very easy to get uh, bogged down in the present. Um, and, you know, I think one thing that our, that Verizon has been really uh, very, very, very good at is our planning process, our technology planning process. So we are always thinking ahead. I mean, we've been thinking about 5G for at least five years now, probably much longer. And, you know, we led with um, convening a, a cross-functional, cross-organizational, cross-the-world group of people to talk about the standards for 5G and to set them in, and really accelerated the 5G schedule by a few years. And I think that's generally understood in the industry. That's just an example of how, you know, looking forward is so important because you have to fight the, at least I have to fight the instinct 
to, you know, as an engineer, you know, want to go deep on, on today's problems. But we lead big organizations. We have excellent leaders. And some of those leaders are focused on, you know, today's, today's problems or legacy technology and what's the best thing to do. How do we, how do we you know, migrate customers to newer technology that has more functionality for them, but do it in a, in a way that is you know, clear to them and provides a, 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 you know, a glide path uh, to get there? So um, I will tell you, I spend most of my time on you know, looking forward. Um, you know, it's also my team's responsibility to be innovative. And there we have a great structure with our 5G labs. We have six labs in the United States, one over in London. These are fantastic places where you can come in and innovate on, on the 5G network that's live, on the mobile edge compute live network. And we have entrepreneurs, you know, small companies, large companies, universities, academics, you know, all come in. And, you know, it's a great place to be. It's like a roll up your sleeves and get on the network. And let, let's not just talk and whiteboard, but let's, let's develop something. So that's, you know, there's a structure around innovation. Innovation is not just, you know, sitting back and thinking and waiting for that apple to fall on your head and, you know, the idea to pop up. There's a process around it. So we've got great structure around that. But, you know, I think I will say, uh, to try to summarize, um, more of my time is spent looking forward because we've got just great engine on 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 today's technologies and today's business and when you think uh, we have a very disciplined capital allocation and planning process too which forces some of these issues so we want to go after this next great thing that we think consumers or businesses you know will will solve their problems and will be a big hit with them all right well it's got to fit within a capital window and it sounds like you know with 18 billion dollars of capital you think wow you must be able to do everything well, there's still hard decisions to make. So, you know, migrating technology, decomming the old, always having an eye towards, you know, what what is the return that we're getting on this, or how long lasting is this technology? Understanding the, you know, the the change in consumer and business needs. So, it is it's a balance, but I think you want to be looking forward, and that forces have a discipline to force some hard decisions on the existing tech. How close are you to the product? The reason I ask is because it's clear, given the scale at which you operate, that much of your time is spent uh, being an inspiring leader, developing plans, and so forth. Yet you're a technical person by background. And so how close are you to the products themselves? Before running product development for Verizon, I was the um, CTO for Verizon Wireless. So when Verizon Wireless was its own unit, we had a very clear understanding that all the products we launched, we should know how to use as a leadership team. So um, uh, uh, this was done to me and then I did it to others. So if we're launching, a, you know, y- y- you name it, um, Verizon Cloud, great product that can, can help with, you know, s- uh, consumers in terms of their, their storage needs for pictures, contacts, other things. You know, I, I would be asked by my CEO, have you tried the product? And I pull up, here's VZ Cloud and it works great. Um, and, and so it became the culture of the organization 
to, to know our products and use our products. Um, and that has been around for a long time in Verizon Wireless. So we all bring that with us. Now on the business side, it's a little harder to do sometimes um, because you know we are all consumers. We all have consumer devices, but we don't. We're not all CIOs. We don't all run large organizations and try to manage, you know, um, a mobile workforce or or fleets of vehicles. So it becomes a little bit more challenging. But there, you know, one thing I love to do is is sit down with our customers because they they want to tell you. Um, how things work and how things don't work. And, you know, that's, I think on the business side, you have to listen, you have to um, read. <laughs> I don't know any other way to put it, but you got to spend the time. You know, I tell my kids all the time when they see me, you know, um, online or, you know, reading or preparing in the evenings, I tell them, I say, you know, you have a test tomorrow and you have to study for that test. I said, this is part, and that, that never goes away. You always have to bone up because technology changes so quickly. Um, customer needs change so quickly. And certainly we've seen that over the past year. So it becomes a little more challenging to be hands-on on the business side, but there's lots of ways to, uh, to do that as well. And we have a question from Twitter from Arsalan Khan on this subject of how you work with your customers. And he makes the comment that it's, he says, it seems that Verizon Acts is almost acting as a consulting firm in some respects, guiding your clients because it seems like you're very, because of the collaborative relationship. We serve the vast majority of the Fortune 500. Uh, we count them among our valued customers on the business side. And, um, you know, when you look at what they're going through and, you know, it's hard to even talk about it in such broad terms because it's, it's different in retail, it's different in manufacturing, it's different in healthcare or automotive, but we have those relationships with those customers. And it's our goal to be their, their trusted advisor on their digital transformation journey. One thing that we've seen during this pandemic that continues today is, you know, it, it sort of catapulted um, all of our journeys um, to sort of digitize and use technology in our, in our workforce. So, you know, whether that was something that we were doing internally or with our customers, number one, they see our leadership in 5G uh, they number two, they hear things like mobile edge compute, and they uh, think to themselves, "What can that do for me?" Um, so you know, we're there to to help them, and we you know, listen, we do very uh, consultative work, but it's also a partnership, and we bring them into those five G labs that I told you about, and are able to develop a very customized proof of concepts, especially early on in new technology. I mean, you need to you need to test. Um, you need to showcase a little and you need to to educate on what we call the eight currencies of 5G, um, which, you know, a few of which are ultra low latency and really, really high uh, bandwidth in the gigabit per second uh, speed range. Um, those things plus, you know, um, you know, the reliability advantage and the IoT or connectedness advantage. You know, these are just some of the things that 5G um, service uh, provides over 4G or any previous generation of service on the mobile side. So when a customer hears these things, they say, wow, that sounds great, but how can that help me? 
And I think you, you can't just go in with, you know, solution upon solution without really understanding what the pain points are. And luckily, we have a great business um, working with those customers, industry by industry, customer by customer. And then it's my job to be able to say, oh, wow, here's a here's a great augmented reality solution that worked for healthcare. Now, uh, from a platform perspective, how can I repurpose that? to work in a retail store. And, you know, so that's where our, our technologists come in and uh, and they're just just really fantastic at being able to look broadly across the, um, across the portfolio. So you're looking at a combination of market needs, interesting, innovative applications, as well as the platform that enables you to do all this. Well, tell, tell us about the platform. Rather than rather than me tell you, <laughs> our platform starts with our network, and over the past few years, we've undergone a major transformation. We call it our intelligent edge network. So back to that wireline and wireless business, we were able to combine those networks, and it starts with a unified core network, and then you know, it sort of evolves out from that in terms of fiber. I mean, fiber is is the uh, it's what we spend a, a good piece of our capital budget on, and it is not wireline or wireless. It is both. It's multi-purpose, multi-use fiber. So the more fiber I, I put in the ground, the more enterprise customers that I could connect directly to data centers, um, the more consumers I can connect to our wireless network because those cell sites are only only wireless from the device to the cell site. After that, it's all fiber. Um, we have wholesale opportunities and the list goes on and on. So that fiber network is really, really important. And then we have access technologies that over time, we become sort of access agnostic to how, how consumers and businesses want to get on the network. But that's really the, the base platform. It starts with the network. And then a lot of people like to talk about above the network. So what are the products and services that happen above the network? And I think there you have to start with MEC or the mobile, uh, mobile edge compute. And there we've, we've recently launched a partnership with Amazon Web Services where um, we are creating these outposts along with our network that are pushed out further into the network that enable developers to use a platform that they're used to to now develop services that could take advantage of 5G and those currencies of 5G that I talked about. So we've we've launched, oh goodness, I think over 10 cities now um, with our mobile edge compute uh, platform along with AWS. We've announced a partnership with Microsoft for a, a private Mac. So these are all, these partnerships are all part of the platform. And then on top of that, you can think of you know different types of services that can get access to that network and take advantage of those currencies. You know, one I I really love is uh, because we we also have just such a, a wonderful strength in it is uh, computer vision. I mean, computer vision applies to you know facial recognition when you're walking into a stadium and you know people want to identify you. Um, it applies to a manufacturing floor where we can look at products and services and do you know, defect identification uh, better than a human can maybe, um, and so many other things. But computer vision requires what? It requires an awful lot of bandwidth. 
And you don't want to be transmitting that band, you know, that amount of data too far, you know, back into the core of the network. So that's where the mobile edge comes in. And applications like computer vision, for example, can sit on top of that. And we're developing easy ways for applications to get access to the network. So how do you onboard devices? How do you diagnose devices? You know, all of those services are all part of the platform that we're building for enterprises in our mobile edge compute um, uh, world. But also over time, you'll see compute uh, consumers and some B2B2C applications coming out of those uh, those platforms as well. Where do the 5G labs fit into this? Because you've mentioned 5G labs several times. The 5G labs are instrumental to all this because, again, these are the places where we can not just think big uh, along with our customers and our partners, but we can actually try things. So we have um, really developed a very rapid kind of rinse and repeat you know, cycle on innovation. Um, you've got an idea, boom, let's prototype it. Let's do that in an inexpensive way. And by the way, all of that network technology that I talked about and, and frankly, our network evolution to you know, much more heavily software uh, as opposed to hardware is a piece of what drives that agility. So we're able to, in these labs, sort of prototype very, very quickly. Um, and and that, that's part of, part, of the, uh, part of the magic there. And I'll tell you, you know, during the pandemic, guess what? No one's in the labs, right? So the first thing that we did after ensuring, you know, the health and safety of our employees was to say, how do we continue? You know, we we love these places. Customers love these places. You know, how do we keep that going? And our team was able to rapidly um, go virtual. So we have a 5G virtual lab, which is very interesting and engaging. And we can meet there and take customers through the journey online. So we were able to still maintain our um, our innovation and also maintain our, our programming, if you will, that we've done in these 5G labs. You know, for example, we'll, we'll set up, um, you know, a retail summit and we'll invite large retailers across the board. We'll invite some academics and we'll, we'll have an in-depth discussion about our new technologies and what's happening in the industry and, you know, how they can really aid, um, aid retailers and some of the pain points that they have during the pandemic and, and ongoing. And that's the type of programming and innovation that, that is really fueling um, much, of, much of what we're seeing now with 5G. It's very exciting. So the labs then uh, is almost a kind of uh, bridge to help you at Verizon understand the real market needs from your customers and where they want to see all this go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love to say, you know, innovation is not any one person's job. It's it's all of our jobs um, to to think big. And innovation comes from a variety of places. Um, I would say my team is uh, accountable for technological innovation. So, you know, it's amazing sometimes, you know, how you know, in the mobile world, maybe you change a bit or a bite or a tiny little setting and it changes the whole landscape, right? So not everybody's going to understand that. So we're accountable for that, that, you know, pushing the technology to the limits, trying things, failing and moving fast. Innovation also comes from our customers. 
And there we have, you know, wonderful marketing and customer experience teams that work hand in hand with customers um, in all the, you know, traditional and, you know, non-traditional ways. Um, but hearing from them is very, very uh, important. And of course, innovation comes, you know, also from strategy, you know, and really, you know, taking a step back and saying, here's a market maybe we're not in. Should should we be in? What do we think the future really looks like? And I got to tell you, you know, I don't think Verizon is much different than many other companies over this last year that we've spent a lot of time thinking about those things because the world has changed so much. You know, I mentioned um, digital transformation earlier. We estimate that um, most enterprises' digital transformation journey has been accelerated by about five to seven years. And I, I can say that, you know, I see that with customers. I also see it internally. I'll tell you that, you know, some of the solutions that we brought to bear very early in the pandemic were not um, not new per se. They were sort of in the pipeline. But what the pandemic did and what this dramatic, you know, work from home and all the societal um, change and unrest that we, we saw, the value of our connectivity and our services, it just demanded that, you know, we not wait. And I think, you know, more often than not, we found that we could go even faster. Sometimes I feel like, you know, we're going super fast, but I know that there's always a higher gear. And I think it did push us into saying, wow, I've got this solution that was on the shelf and, you know, boom, we just did it. The same is true with our own operations. Um, for example, when all the retail stores were closed, um, you know, what do, we, what do we do? Well, we didn't lay off. We didn't furlough. We accelerated, you know, our capital deployment and we leaned in um, to deploying uh, the latest network. We also took those retail employees and retrained a, a number of them, vast majority of them, to take calls in a call center. So now, you know, it's just that agility. Um, and we've been doing, for example, work from home or home-based agent for a long time in our call centers, but it wasn't 100%. And all of a sudden, boom, we're 100%. And guess what? We found ways to make it work. So, you know, the necessity being the mother of invention, I do subscribe to that as well. And I think, you know, this the pandemic and the learn from home, work from home, uh, this environment just just catapulted us all, uh, and there's a lot of learnings from that, and there's a lot of lot of positives that we can we can take even more risk maybe than we thought, and there's always a higher gear to go faster. How did you drive innovation during a period of time when there was number one so much change taking place, and then number two, uh, people were not physically together. And so they had to relearn how to work together in different ways. In that kind of situation, how did you drive innovation? Innovation wasn't my first concern. You know, a year ago, it really goes back to, all right, well, even your family and then your employees, you know, are, are you safe? Are you healthy? What do we need to do to secure that? And I already talked about what Verizon did and how we really rose to the challenge there. Um, and then I'll tell you that when it comes to like product development and innovation, you know, we took our 5G labs and quickly turned them virtual. So that worked. We took our product development process, you know, the details of, you know, requirements and agile development and scrum teams and, you know, all of that. And we had already experience in doing that remotely. So we do development around the world. We follow the sun. We've got big teams in India and around the world. So we're used to 
um, you know, doing bits of code and handing that off and handing it back. Um, so a lot of it wasn't new. It just sort of put it on steroids. And the so the development process, I'm pleased to say that throughout 2020 and through the first quarter of 2021, we were able to meet all of our product objectives. I mean, I, I was, I don't want to say surprised. I never bet against the team, but boy, what a big accomplishment in the midst of all that was going on to meet those objectives, which we did. So, you know, now we look at, well, how do you, how do you continue in this mode until we get, you know, sort of a hybrid mode established, which of course we're looking at like other companies. And I think, you know, one of the big things is we, we bought a company a little, about a year ago, uh, Blue Jeans, that does video conferencing. And um, that has really transformed the way that we think about how about integrating a fantastic video conferencing solution with other platforms that we have. So our messaging platform, our computer vision expertise, our XR type of services. So how do we pull those all together to really take, you know, a, an excellent platform and make it that much better. So we're all using blue jeans inside Verizon. It's great. It can t- the, the way that we, um, you know, release code so quickly um, on that platform, it's, it's releases that, you know, and, and the voice of the customer comes through. So we're leveraging that internally and also for our customers. So, you know, that innovation continue. I think the theme here, Michael, is that, you know, I don't know that there were a lot of like brand new things. It was about, you know, how do you take what, what you had a good hunch was go- was going to work and just do it. And again, the lesson is, you know, about maybe in a more stable environment, risk taking and, uh, and just always the pressure to, to move faster and be more agile. And in, the, in this world <laughs> with technology moving so quickly, and again, it's not only 5G. I mean, we couldn't be any more bullish about 5G and how it will usher in literally the fourth industrial revolution. We believe it's a general purpose technology that is going to affect the way we live, work and play. Uh, consumers and businesses alike. But you think about that with everything else that's happening, you know, with AIML, um, you know, with 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 um, microbiology, uh, robotics. I mean, everything. So many changes in the technical landscape. When they come all together, I mean, you can't sit still. If you sit still, you're losing ground. You you've got to keep pushing. You're seeing so many different kinds of applications, whether it's 5G or these other technologies. What are some of the things that excite you that you see coming down the road? You know, sports and entertainment, you know, people are dying to get back. Um, And, you know, we're doing a number of things there. Um, We're testing and and actually using something called Shot Tracker that that uses like sensor-based technology to transform the game of basketball. Um, and bring sort of the the in the in person in stadium in venue experience to consumers at home and fans on their device. Um, that's one thing. Um, it, also in sports, we introduced the first 5G and MEC application at the last Super Bowl, which was um, uh, this this a, a mobile game called the NFL Ultra Toss where you could sit on your on your device and, and virtually toss a football into a virtual truck that sat in the middle of the field. So multiplayer, 
you know, in-person game, which would have been very hard to do on any other technology. So that's done. I, sports will be transformed. The fan experience will be transformed by these technologies. But let's go to education. So something a little, a little less entertainment focused. Um, you know, healthcare and ed- education are two big areas where this technology will make meaningful um, inroads uh, for society, I believe. In healthcare, for example, we're using 5G to take a, um, a virtual image of, of a uh, patient's CAT scan of their brain, overlay it in augmented reality during surgery, and it leads to better outcomes. Because if you think about it, and you, we have a lot of um, uh, companies and, and doctors that are looking at this, so take it from them, not, not so much from me. But when you're doing brain surgery, you know, it's a, I've learned it's a little bit more art than science. So there are ways that we can use the low latency and high bandwidth of 5G technology during surgery um, and even leading up to the during surgery, just during training of surgeons. Um, to lead to to better outcomes. So that is that's absolutely happening. And in in education, we're looking at how five G can can transform this this work at and learn from home environment. Um, we're taking content. We have a great partnership with the Smithsonian, where we're taking their uh, existing artifacts and content, fully digitizing them, turning them into three D artifacts, so that you can access them in a in a very engaging way. So those are just a few examples. Uh, love what it's going to do for education and healthcare. Excited about every other industry too. Let me jump to another question very quickly from Twitter. Uh, how do you work with your customers' IT departments, especially in areas like cybersecurity? And I'll ask you to keep it really brief. You don't ever want to really tell cybersecurity, I think it's one of those knock on wood things, but um, we, uh, we pride ourselves on a secure and reliable network. Customers come to us because of that. We form deep partnerships. Um, we just issued a, uh, a cyber report, in fact, that our enterprise customers um, like to look at to help inform uh, some of their decision making. So um, cyber is core to who we are. Um, cyber, uh, it's, it's not new news that um, uh, breaches and scams have accelerated during the pandemic. So it's, it's even more important to be thinking about cyber. And, you know, we have to be partners um, with our enterprise customers. Oftentimes, yes, that is with the CIOs and their IT departments. But sometimes it's even, you know, at the, at the CEO level, um, or, or even at the at the frontline level. I mean, you've got to, there's no, just like no one's accountable for uh, innovation, everybody is, same thing with cyber. Let's shift gears very much and talk about uh, diverse teams, diversity in the workplace and in STEM. You have a really interesting background and obviously your work, you're, you're a woman in such a heavily dominated male field. So tell us about that. For a woman in tech, is, uh, Verizon has been a very good place to work. And I believe, uh, you know, it's because diversity is in our, in our credo. Uh, we embrace it uh, and along with personal development, not only because it's the right thing to do, but because it's smart business. 
And it's crucial to our success. Uh, our customer base is diverse and we have to reflect diversity in order for the business to succeed. Um, that being said, uh, we know that there's always a higher gear and we've worked hard uh, to improve the representation of women and minorities in our workforce, especially in tech. We're not where we wanna be, but we've been very open and transparent. Uh, we've we've um, issued publicly our diversity statistics and encourage other companies to do so because we also believe that you don't usually improve what you don't measure and take seriously. Um, so it's very important. Now, I will tell you that, that with Verizon, but also personally, I'm extremely passionate about getting you know, more women uh, represented in STEM. And there's a number of things that we do corporately and that we do in our day-to-day -to, -day to encourage um, women to, to stay in the workforce. Um, during the pandemic, we know that women left the workforce at higher rates than men and they were underrepresented to begin with. So now, instead of going forward, we've taken a few steps back. That's a very, very big problem. So, um, and it's going to take, you know, a lot of us to, to fix that over time. Um, but we know we don't just support women through their, through their journeys and through their careers. Um, we have to go deeper and deeper to me starts very young. We have to get, you know, young girls understanding um, that technology and science is part of their everyday life. When we're cooking in the kitchen, when we're out gardening, the technology is a, is a piece of that. So opening their eyes to the, to the wonders of science. Um, when, when girls get in middle school, we know that is the time that they deflect at a high number. Something becomes uncool about being, uh, you know, into science and math. And we've got to stop that. And there's a lot of programs that are aimed to do that. But at that point, it is extremely critical. Um, Verizon has what's called the Innovative Learning Schools, Verizon Innovative Learning Schools, where we're dedicating, um, oh goodness, I wish I knew the number off the top of my head. Um, I believe it's hundreds of millions of dollars in order to uh, ensure that we have technology infused in curriculums in underserved areas and that um, women, young girls, and tech is a key part of that. And then as these girls get into high school, they need role models. Um, and they need to be shown paths that, you know, what can you do with an interest in, in science and math? I, you know, I tell my story often, I kind of lucked into it. And my father was, uh, was an engineer. And uh, I had a mother that said, you could do anything that you put your mind to and try hard enough. So I followed his footsteps. I went to Penn State just like he did and got an engineering degree just, just like he did. And so many women in my generation that, that have technical degrees have a similar story. Um, because I believe the statistic is about uh, almost three, two thirds of the practicing female engineers have a father or a brother that's a practicing engineer. So what does that tell you? That tells you you're out of luck if you don't have someone close to you that can sort of show you uh, what to do with, uh, with your interest and your abilities. And um, so there's, and one thing I'd like to say and to your audience also is that you don't have to be an engineer. You don't have to be a woman in order to encourage this. Um, you know, we can, we can all do more um, throughout that path with our children, with our neighbor's children, with our schools, in order to in encourage that, that type of uh, growth participation, because it will be a shame. We cannot um, look at this fourth industrial revolution and only have 
half the population participating in its development and its you know execution and, and how it grows. We need everybody. We need a full, um, diverse set of, of views on this. We're already seeing um, uh, different types of bias uh, erupting in algorithms. That's also a well-known uh, um, phenomenon uh, when it comes to AI. So we need everybody's brain power on this, and we need diversity in order to really be successful and reach the full potential um, of everything that this technology promises in the future. And on that topic, we have one last question from Twitter. Great question from Constance Woodson, who asks, will Verizon 5G's partnership with the new infrastructure plan in any way help bridge the digital divide in underserved communities? Verizon's been committed to this for a long time. When you look at our um, and, and we've just renewed our commitment. When you look at our uh, social responsibility goals, bridging the digital divide is top of the list. And that is because it, it's what we do. Um, we feel that connectivity um, should, be, um, should be affordable and it should be accessible. And that's why we are building the network as, as broadly as we can, as quickly as we can. That's why we have initiatives like Verizon Innovative Learning Schools that provides the latest technology to underserved schools. Um, that's why we are, frankly, the largest rural, rural provider of mobile services right now. I think a lot of people don't know that. But when you think of rural America, Verizon is the largest provider of service in rural America. And we, um, you know, I didn't mention uh, the C-band auction, but if you follow us at all, you just know that we were very successful in securing wonderful C-band spectrum that will serve this company and, and consumers and businesses for years to come. Long after I'm gone from Verizon, you will see um, that investment paying dividends because that's, you know, spectrum is the, is the basic building block of wireless service. Um, and we've always been great stewards of Spectrum. So, you know, this was a, was a big moment for Verizon and it's part of how we will provide service and continue to provide the best service um, to inner cities and to rural America alike. So we are very committed to this. Thank you for the question, Constance. All right, Nikki Palmer, Chief Product Development Officer at Verizon. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us and share your your thoughts and your views with us today. Really been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Michael. Everybody, thank you for watching. Before you go, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the subscribe button at the top of our website. A huge thanks to Nikki Palmer of Verizon and especially to all the people who contributed and asked such excellent questions today. Check out CXOTalk.com. We have great shows coming up and we'll see you again next week. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.